0: I'm definitely have been on the path to acceptance and accepting it and being able to work with other athletes who are experiencing an injury that they don't have to go through it alone. So I really kind of flipped the script and understood that once I, once I came to acceptance, that this was just, it was a big chapter in my life, but that there's more to me than just basketball. I'm more than just an athlete.
1: Welcome to the WellU Mental Training Podcast. At WellU, we found the importance of community in the lives and stories of athletes and coaches and teammates and anybody involved in the sports world. Ami Strutton-Belanoff and Brian Alexander are your hosts. We're certified mental performance consultants who started a path towards helping others, namely athletes and professionals in the sports world, find a process to training the mental side of performance interview them where we tell stories of athletes or we to gain insights into their process we've also started a mental training app called Wellu mental training in the app you can find a clear model and practice to train your mental game on the go starting with a self-assessment a comprehensive goal-setting program and then categories that support your mental training journey such as confidence, motivation, focus, nerves and emotions, communication. It's a clear process that you can follow on your own with exercises, imagery experiences, self-talk tools, breathing practices, everything just in the palm of your hand. But here on this podcast, we're really excited to share the importance of a community around mental training and wellness for athletes. And we find so much of it is important in terms of that support system that you have to get through the tough times. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode where we hear an awesome story from one of our guests. Welcome to the Well You Mental Training Podcast. We know that athletes all around the world are challenged at different levels during the time of COVID sport restrictions. It's becoming clear that mental training is becoming more and more important as athletes and coaches seek to balance their self-identity when so much of it is tied up into their sport performance. On the podcast today, we are joined by Ashley Polkovich, who I think you're all going to love getting to know. Ashley has transitioned from a self-identified athlete to a well-rounded person through the core values she needed to discover in her own athletic journey. I'm really looking forward to unpacking her story with you all, from being a high-level basketball player with real opportunity in her sport and then suffering a career-ending injury that changed the direction of her athletic identity. Ashley has completed her postgraduate training in sports psychology and also works as a physical therapy assistant. She is working to help athletes of all skill sets enhance their performance so this dialogue will be rich in relatable stories and actual content. Welcome to the podcast, Ashley.
0: Thanks. Thanks for having me, Brian.
1: How are you? I'm good. Yeah, it's great to have you on here. I think we're going to learn a lot from your story, we're going to learn, learn a lot from your experiences. And um, I really hope that, you know, we can unpack some things, and and just get to know you a little bit first, if that's okay.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, so let's just kind of start from the beginning with basketball. What first sparked your interest in it?
0: Um, It's kind of funny. I actually didn't like basketball when I was a young kid. Um, But in fourth grade, all my friends were going out for the basketball team. Um, It's called Biddy Basketball back here um, from Central PA. So a very small town. And uh, all my friends were doing it. My childhood best friend was going to sign up. And I didn't want to be the only one who didn't play. So the very last day of tryouts or signups, I should say, I asked my mom if she would take me just because my friends were doing it. And then from that point on, I fell in love with it, loved the game. And it's just it just took off from there.
1: That sounds a lot like a lot of kids first sport experience it's the friends that are trying the sport and uh you're going and and checking it out yourself and then you know that that love of the game kind of falls into place
0: yeah absolutely that's definitely what happened to me
1: was it instantaneous for you
0: uh pretty much um i have a strong desire and work ethic to just be the best that i could be So once I knew I wasn't good at it, um, I really had the motivation to get better. Um, I would practice all the time. I would read books on how to shoot better, how to play better defense. Uh, I really went all in.
1: Wow. Yeah, you really went all in. And that was at what age did you say?
0: (laughs) I started playing actually at nine. I organized ball. I started playing at nine. I played a little bit when I was younger with my dad and my brother. I wasn't very good. Um, at nine, I still wasn 't good, but I just got hooked and wanted to learn and just be a sponge, absorb as much as I could.
1: Yeah, and it sounds like you did. I mean seeking out reading materials on the topic, I mean <laughs> diving right in that sounds like you really yeah. had a, a thirst for knowledge and and sort of like almost like that growth mindset approach
0: right i I definitely did, and i I still do um, with my current profession.
1: Awesome. That's great. So when you think about basketball and your career, um, what were some of the highlights of your career as a basketball player?
0: Uh, For me, there's definitely two that really stood out. Um, So my junior year, we didn't have any seniors on the team. So I kind of got to be a senior twice, uh, which is pretty cool. And our team won districts back-to-back years without any seniors. Wow. And that was really... A cool moment for us. Um, But the other moment was just seeing my hard work pay off uh, before my injury happened and getting the letters from all three divisions and having the opportunity to be recruited by all three divisions. And I I still have those letters today.
1: Mm, Yeah. So you you had a couple of really good highs in the sport. I mean, back to back champs, And
0: winning seasons.
1: Yeah, winning seasons. So, mhm. Getting those letters, those offer letters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember those times. That's like it gives me chills just thinking about that from my own experience, yeah. right? It's like, man, all this hard work is paying off.
0: Mhm. Absolutely. So, it felt good. I I really went and um kind of had to expose myself um because I come from such a small area. So there wasn't a lot of exposure. So I will go to a lot of shoot arounds, a lot of clinics, a lot of camps, anywhere to gain exposure. And that's kind of really where the interest started coming in.
1: hmm. When you think about just kind of going off on a tangent for a minute, when you think about those winning seasons, what was it about those teams that contributed to the wins?
0: Um, I think we just had a really good group of core individuals Um, It was really a team first mentality. Um, I was one of the captains for my junior and senior year. I was more the vocal leader. So anything I could do to pump up the team, get them ready for games. Our other leader was more, you kind of followed in her footsteps. But we just had a good group of girls in general, Um, not just basketball players, just a good group of, of young girls. And we really got along and we had you know, a legacy at the high school that I played at. So we want to do our best to keep it alive. Basketball was a full-time job for us, to be honest, Mm -hmm. in high school.
1: Yeah, you guys were all basketball all the time. Absolutely. How about academics? What was that like?
0: Um, it It was funny because athletics always came naturally to me. Academics, I had to work harder at. Um, but I also wanted to make sure I got good grades so that schools continued to look at me. Um, I was the type of person that if I did something, I did a hundred percent. So whether it was putting a hundred percent effort into schoolwork or hundred percent effort into basketball, that's what I did. Um, and I, you know, I got a good education from my high school and I continue that on throughout the years.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes too. um I, I often have this conversation with athletes who are either, you know, they get school, it comes a little easier for them or they don't, you know, and they have to really work at it. But we talk about this comparison between training and practice time with games and competition to how it relates with studying time and preparation and learning time compared to tests. Was any of that overlap there for you and putting the work into academics? Uh, was that any anything that you kind of related to or is there another approach that you took
0: um when it came to academics i mean obviously basketball was my was really my main focus but academics was you know my parents always always pushed for academics to get an education um but there is definitely parallels between the two just the way i approached it with the mindset um i always wanted to be a good student be a good basketball player. Just continue to learn and absorb as much as I can. So there's definitely parallels. Um, I just had a strong ethic from my parents, so that really kind of was a driving factor in both academics and athletics. Yeah,
1: you had a strong work ethic and guided by the vor- values and morals of your family, your parents, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah that that sounds that sounds great. And I think one of the things that we've learned a lot with, you know, high achieving athletes and high achieving student athletes for that matter is the social support systems that we have in place. And you mentioned with those winning teams, uh, you were, you were all pretty close um, Mm -hmm. as teammates, right. As well as having that family support at home too. It sounds like that was pretty important too. So how did, how did that transpire for you as you progressed through your high school years? and some of the pressures that you faced during that time and, and how you got through it.
0: Um, I had a good support system with my teammates, with my friends who, you know, didn't play basketball with my parents. One of the things about my parents is that they always supported me. Um, if, if I wasn't happy with basketball, you know, they told me I didn't have to play they didn't have to play. It was something that I always wanted to do, but they were just there being supportive. You know, they never missed a game my friends would come to the games. Um, basketball and football were very big in our high school, so we had a really good support system. Our principal loved basketball, so she would come to all our games. She was very supportive, and it really just, I think, just helped our team overall. And having the support system, we would have busloads of fans come to the games during our championship games. Um, so it was really, it was really exciting.
1: Wow. the the whole school, the whole, was it the whole town that kind of rallied around you guys and and football, I guess, too?
0: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Definitely. You know, the fans would go all out. They would dress up. They would, you know, the guys would paint their, paint their chest, paint, paint letters on. Um, We would have younger girls that looked up to us that would wear our, our jerseys or have our numbers on a t-shirt they made. So it was just a lot of support from the school, from the community, from, friends to family
1: so yeah that sounds picture perfect <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah you, you think of the movies and you know the fans getting around the team the rallies as you take off yeah. on the bus um, stuff like that yeah. comes to mind but as an athlete in that environment trying to focus on your sport right trying to get ready right. for a game let's say trying to prepare how did you work through that
0: You know, definitely on game day, I was I was locked in from the time that I woke up until the time it was game time. Um, School couldn't get over fast enough, to be honest. Um, I still paid attention in class, but in my mind, I was going through the game and going through um, what my roles were on the team, or my role was on what my role was for that specific game. Because it, you know, it definitely changed. So I was really locked in and just ready to go. Um, game day was, I was all business on game day.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. And I i can relate to that, just counting down the minutes and the hours on the clock in the classroom, yeah. but the mind is yeah. imagining plays, imagining what you're going to run against this defense or this offense. Yeah. Um,
0: Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's actually a mental training skill, right? The skill of imagery and visualization.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, that was something I was doing early on without even realizing I was doing it before I even knew it really had a name or it was a mental skill technique. It was just something that I did. I, I always had a, a vivid imagination, and that's what I kind of chalked it up to. But when I look back, I was using some mental skills. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. So you're saying that you did a lot of these things just through discovery, self-discovery, not really guided through them.
0: Right. Yeah. I didn't have no one to to guide me through them. It was just things I picked up on my own. Um, The visualization was was really big for me. And pretty much that and goal setting was pretty big for me. Um, But again, I didn't have anyone really show me that um or really work with me on on that it was just something i did on my own
1: how did you set goals like what kinds of goals did you set and how did you follow through on them
0: well i would set goals in the off season um really they weren't the best of goals it was really to just be a better well-rounded athlete a uh, better well-rounded basketball player so i didn't really have the right goals. I didn't use SMART goals. Um, but I would just have different goals set that I would want to accomplish. But, you know, now I set goals, that's very, it's very different. I'm setting SMART goals. I'm setting goals that are that are realistic, that are tangible. I had some pretty, you know, um, big goals, but obviously I didn't get to accomplish all those when the injuries came into play.
1: Yeah, yeah. That that's that unexpected interruption to the path that you're yeah. on. That you feel like, hey, nothing's gonna get in my way. And then, oh,
0: right, right. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, a lot of times too, that goal setting process is a framework from which to respond to unexpected situations. Also, right, right. But without guidance, when you're you when you're hit with that emotional impact of the unexpected right it's it's sometimes hard to see see that clearly
0: right absolutely
1: yeah so maybe we can get into that injury a little bit if you don't mind
0: yeah absolutely um so my injury started when I was in high school but it just got misdiagnosed as shin splints um and I was getting frequent calf cramps but it was always my ankle tape was just too tight. So it was really sport induced at first. Um like I said, basketball was like a full-time job in high school. So there is summers where we would have three a days morning, afternoon, and then the summer league game. So we were all sore. So I didn't think anything of it. You know, we were all kind of burned out and hurt, and so I didn't think much of it. By the time I turned 18, I start to have a lot more leg issues um, from below the knees down. And I had something called compartment syndrome, which I got in both shins and both calves. And I just thought I needed a little bit of physical therapy. You know, I thought it was like a sprained ankle. I'd be good to go. And I found out that I actually needed surgery. Mm. So I, I never had surgery before. So my first surgery was when I was 18. And then when I got surgery, um, I had hopes of obviously coming back that season and playing basketball or being ready for next season. And then I found out that there's just something more wrong with my legs after the surgery. Um, The pain that I was having when I played basketball was now happening just when I would walk or when I would go up and down the steps. So it came from just being sports-induced to everyday aspects of my life and I started to have a lot of problems with my left foot that um a lot of spasms a lot of sharpshooting pain I come to find out that the doctor who did the first surgery uh hit a nerve that runs into my left foot and I now had nerve damage in my left foot so now I had another injury on top of the initial injury so I needed four surgeries to try and correct the initial problem, but now also this problem with my foot. So in total, I had five leg surgeries from the time I was 18 to 21, wow. which is the, the prime basketball, prime college years. Um, and it just completely, you know, ended my basketball career or any chance I had of, of playing.
1: Yeah. Wow. That sounds like a really, really tough situation to absorb and accept and work through.
0: Yeah, it was it was uh, devastating to say the least. I really identified very highly as an athlete. So my self-identity was really wrapped up in being an athlete. And when those injuries happened and when basketball was abruptly taken away from me, um, I was devastated. I was going through a grieving process that I didn't realize at the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what kind of support did you have through that grieving process?
0: I mean, I had my parents support. They were doing the best they could with trying to help me through it. They, you know, they knew I was devastated. They didn't really know what to say to me. Um, my friends didn't know what to say to me. My teammates didn't know, you know, what to say or do. Um and i went through some other you know situations during that time where i started to some of my close friends from high school we kind of stopped talking so like that added into it that that was some of my support mm-hmm. um you know i went through a breakup you know right when i had my injury so i was going through a breakup and dealing with that at the same time so I didn't have I had support but I really felt like no one understood what I was going through.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is a lot of levels of stressors yeah. <laughs> yeah. on top of each other. Yeah. Um man, I'm just sitting with that for a moment because one of the first things that I heard you talk about with the injury, the initial injury and was your idea of what pain was and just what's normal when you're training that much. Right. And how mentally you keep telling yourself, Oh, just get through it. Right. Right. Tough enough. You're okay. This is normal. This is part of it.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And, and then you realize, okay, it's not what I thought it was. Yeah. So I need to have this surgery, but look, chances are I'm going to come right back after a little rehab I'm, I don't know for sure. Is that sort of the mindset going into that first surgery? Oh,
0: absolutely. Um, that that was definitely the mindset that the goal was to get back to play that season, uh, maybe in the postseason if possible. But if not, I'd be ready 100% for next season.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of goal setting again, right? Yeah. Planning, um, uh, opportunistic, uh, uh, optimistic ma attitude and mindset um, and then to find out the person that you trusted with it and made a mistake.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Hit a nerve yeah. new injury that you had never even predicted or prepared for. Right. Um, how did you work through that part of it?
0: It was hard. Um, I was. I didn't really have the best coping skills at at 18, yeah, I never had a lot of adversity up to that point That of that type of adversity that I did. Um, so I didn't really have good coping skills. I was very angry at the doctor. Um, it was something that could have been avoided. And now I had to get, you know, more surgeries and it just kind of threw me completely off track
1: mm-hmm yeah that that unexpected diversion from the track that you thought you were gonna be on
0: yeah yeah absolutely it was a it became a whole new uh path for me that it was a very long path it ended up you know um you know for three years I had five leg surgery so it took me down a, it took me down a very a very dark path that i went through a lot emotionally and mentally
1: yeah yeah and you mentioned um and by the way i it sounds like you've gotten to a place now where you're working through this still but you're you're finding some coping skills that work and so i want to make sure for everybody listening and for us too that we know okay there is a path towards this it's not Complete doom and gloom.
0: Absolutely, um, you know, I'm definitely have been on the path to acceptance and accepting it, and being able to work with other athletes who are experiencing an injury that they don't have to go through it alone. So I really kind of flipped the script and understood that once I once I came to acceptance that this was just it was a big chapter in my life, but. That there's more to me than just basketball i'm more than just an athlete and it took me a long time to really accept that um but there definitely is light at the end of the tunnel you know um you know for me it wasn't the path i thought i was gonna take but without having those injuries and now without having that diversity, i don't know if i would be the person i am today
1: yeah Yeah. But, but so that's exactly what we want to learn because, you know, you mentioned too earlier that you didn't really have um, some of those skills that you were learning as an athlete, whether it be imagery and visualization or goal setting, even though now you said you might've set smarter goals. Right. Um, But you didn't really have that professional guidance early on when you could have potentially developed those coping skills, for example. So, As you reflect on that period, and even with all those extra layers, right, the breakup of a relationship, certain friends, you know, losing touch with certain friends, um, things like that, what are some of the coping skills that you've identified through that grieving process? Because I know it's a tough, long process, an unpredictable timeline. Um, But what are some of those coping skills?
0: Um, For me, um, a lot of them was getting back to working out. And kind of taken out, you know, I couldn't work out my lower body, but I was able to work out my upper body. So I took a lot of my aggression, a lot of my negative emotions and kind of put it towards something positive and to kind of work on on my body and just get stronger and just have my get my body stronger so I could deal with the physical aspects of therapy as well. So definitely working out was one way that I channeled my negative energy Um, another thing was when I was in physical therapy, I would kind of make it a competition and still look at it as athletic competition and to see what could I do better than the last visit I was here. Can I get three more reps of this exercise? Can I up the weight by five pounds? So I was setting goals for myself in therapy to get me closer to just being able to live a quote you know, normal life of just being able to, to walk. I had a, I kind of had to learn how to kind of walk again because of my injuries and what I experienced. I had some issues with walking. So I had to learn how to kind of do all that again. Um, You know, things that you don't think of doing. So I did, you know, I would write things down, Um, I was always into drawing, so I would draw. So I was trying to find other channels to express what was going on, um, inside of me. Um, but one of the things I do would recommend for someone is to seek out, you know, the support of a mental health professional. That was something that I didn't do. I don't know why I didn't do it, to be honest. Um, but that's something that I would tell injured athletes to do now is, is to seek out a mentor, seek out a friend, seek out a mental health professional to help with the rehabilitation process and the mental recovery.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, because you you started to come up with some solutions to cope with what you're going through. Um, and there's that stigma sometimes about, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm tough, you know, maybe back to that pain versus injury Yeah. Conversation, right? Like, oh, I'm tough. I can handle this. I can work through it. Maybe I'm going through some real serious mental health issues. I know, but I'm not. I don't know if I'm going to talk to anybody about it because I'm tough and I can do it. Right. Um, Did so. When you were going through, you know, it sounds like you engaged in writing and art therapy, even and um, getting back to some normalcy and routine and, and the physical training aspect of it, right? Getting back in the gym and just adjusting what you're focusing on. But were you guided at all in any of that by somebody else?
0: No, that was just me. To be honest, um, I really felt very lost and confused at the time, and kind of very alone. Um, because no one just really could relate to me. Um, so when I went to physical therapy, I kind of would see other injured athletes there. So I kind of felt, even though even though going to physical therapy was painful and it was tiring, I really genuinely enjoyed going because I felt like at least somebody kind of understood what I was going through. Mm-hmm. Um, I would see other injured athletes there and it was kind of you know, I see them working hard, they see me working. So that was kind of a coping skill in itself as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're, you're in the same environment where other people are going through something similar, right? Right. Plus, the physical therapist kind of knows what you're going through, even if you're not necessarily talking about all the mental health stuff all the time. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that sounds that sounds good. But I think you mentioned something that comes up a lot when when athletes lose the opportunity to be athletes is that um, you kind of feel isolated.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and
1: like the injury, this is another thing too that I've seen and learned is that the injury usually becomes the topic of conversation when people do interact with you.
0: Yeah, it. you know, when people would always ask how I was doing physically and how my legs were doing, but very few people um that i can recall would ask how are you doing how are mm-hmm. you doing mentally dealing with this injury i don't think i've ever really gotten asked that question um you know even at physical therapy uh and i didn't really expect that because their job was to work on the physical aspect but it was definitely a very you know you definitely feel very alone because your friends are still playing sports, or they had an injury, but they're, but they recovered from it, and now you're dealing with this, this sense of a of a loss. Um, it was a huge chunk that was taken away from me, and I just felt very alone because I didn't have basketball anymore.
1: Hmm. Yeah, and you couldn't express yourself in the same way as you had on the court. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, so thinking about that, and I didn't ask you, did you take any of those scholarship offers that you were presented with?
0: I didn't. I did not. Um, okay. I still have all the letters till this day. Um, I did use them as motivation. Um, okay. I ultimately decided to go through to a division three school. I was really set on playing for this one coach who I really got to know over the years, just from going to camps. And I really wanted to play for her. um, But I still had hopes of playing at a higher level. Um, But ultimately I went to a D3 school and then because of all my injuries, I never really had a normal college life. Um, I went to three different colleges in four years because I had to do a lot of Had a lot of appointments. I had to go to community college for a semester because I couldn't walk campus. So I was Mm -hmm. taking a lot of online courses and maybe one or two night classes because I just couldn't physically walk on campus. Um, I couldn't go up steps. So they had to change dorms for me. I had to move dorms with an elevator. So I did a lot of moving around to be closer to home. Um, And then I ended up graduating from Susquehanna University in Central PA um, okay. and that's where I, I, got my, my degree from. So,
1: yeah. Wow. So you went through not only, I mean, just the physical change, but a lot of life change too, because of the physical limitations right. and, and, and needs that you had in your recovery process, trying to figure out a way to get back to walking.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that's a lot too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the plot thickens.
0: Yeah. It just keeps getting better.
1: <laughs> yeah, it keeps it keeps getting better because now look at you. Yeah. <laughs> right. So so you got your degree. Where did you go from there? So um post college.
0: So after I got my degree in psychology from Susquehanna University, I knew I wanted to help people. Um I always enjoyed helping people, but I also want to do something with sports. And when I heard of something called sports psychology, it was kind of a no-brainer. It was the best of both worlds for me. So I actually went to Ithaca College in upstate New York. I got my master's in sports psychology, and then I was working in the mental health field for a couple years, uh, not working with athletes, but in the mental health field. Um, At that time, I moved away and moved closer to Philly, which is about two hours from my hometown. And I also became a personal trainer and I used the sports psychology and the personal training together, but I still felt like there was a puzzle piece missing. I had the mental aspect, I had the physical aspect, but I still felt like something was just not right. And I remember just going, thinking about physical therapy and how much, even though it was... Painful. How much I generally enjoyed the process, how much I enjoyed being around therapists and the atmosphere. And once I found out that there was something called a physical therapist assistant, I ended mm-hmm. up enrolling in the two year program uh, down near Philly and got licensed after two years. And now for the last three years, I've been working as a physical therapist assistant as well as a mental performance coach. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow, that's amazing! So you're combining your entire experience, especially even the stuff that you didn't get right, that you realized was really important, into a profession to help others. Yes,
0: know. yes.
1: So, what are the some of the main um, what are some of the main lessons or key things that you keep coming across and helping other people?
0: You know, I really think people they don't care what you know until they know how much you care about them.
1: Love that. You know, that's kind of how
0: I work when I'm working with patients, whether it's with student athletes, whether it's with athletes, or whether it's just with, you know, everyday people at physical therapy, you know, if they know that I generally care about them, they're more likely to do the exercises. So building rapport is very big for me. People just want to be heard. Um, you know, people just want to want someone to listen to them. And that's kind of one of the key things that I've noticed is people just want to be heard. They want someone to listen to them when they about their injury. And for me, I can easily relate, you know, even though it's not the same injury, I can understand what they're going through because I've been through the process so many times in such a short period of time.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And. Sometimes this is another part of injury, quote-unquote injury, right? We're talking about physical injury, physical health. Um, Some of these injuries can be invisible injuries, you know, mental health related. There is a physical element to the concussion movement, right? And there's an invisible, quote-unquote, invisible injury, but it has physical manifestations also. So the idea of you're going through an injury – but you're going through it in your own way. That's a pretty important thing to understand as a helper, right? As a, someone in a support system.
0: Yeah. I mean, you want to you make sure that they're feeling heard and that, you know, I want to make sure that people are having a good experience when they come to physical therapy, that they know that we generally care about their mental health, not just their physical health, and that they know that they have someone that they can they can come and talk to if need be. And sometimes, you know, when I'm just stretching patients and stretching them out, they're telling me about their day, that they're having a bad day or they're having a hard time with their injury and they can't do the things they once do. And that's when I'll start to disclose some information about myself, if I feel like it's going to help them about what I went through. Mm -hmm. Um, And usually Mm -hmm. they're pretty surprised because they don't think that someone, you know, my age being younger has experienced all the injuries that I have and all the surgeries I have. So, you know, it's just making sure they're being heard, you know.
1: Yeah, that's those active listening skills come into play and being able to ask really good questions. right? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Sounds like you're doing a lot of really great work and changing a lot of people's lives. I mean, through that process of helping them feel heard. Uh,
0: I hope so. You know, I you know, people enjoy coming to you know therapy because we have such a good group of people and a good group of therapists so they enjoy it and i'm just trying to make their proud their journey more enjoyable and to know that people are on their side and we're in their corner cheering them on we want them to get better and we don't want to see them back necessarily as patients but they can come back as visitors and we want to see how good they're doing so well,
1: that's a good testament to the work that you yeah. guys are doing then if they're coming back to something yeah. will. <laughs> So so one more question here around um where you're at now with sports. When you watch basketball or when you watch sports, what goes through the mind?
0: It depends on depends on the day, to be honest. Uh some days it's you know, just enjoying the game and not much really goes through my mind. But then there's times where I'll watch a girls' college game and I wonder, you know, what if, you know, uh could have that could that have been me or what would my four years look like if I played basketball? So it depends on the day. It depends on my mood. Um, But I know at the end of the day, you know, I gave everything I could to the game for the most part, you know, Mm -hmm. I did everything I could to be the best that I could be. And I accomplished my goals of being able to get recruited, but you know, at the end, of the, at the end of the day, I just learned to accept it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's that word again, acceptance that you've continually worked yeah. towards and continue yeah. to work towards depending on the yeah. day too. Right. With the things that you can control as well, which is a big piece of right. that process. Right. So given that we're in this COVID period and a lot of athletes are in that transition phase of not knowing okay are we going to have a season what kind of season Um, we're training maybe but are we training for anything Um, what advice would you give to others you know in in a similar situation with self-identity with discovering values Um, what kind of advice would you give to them who are working through this process I would say
0: to embrace the adversity Um, the adversity builds character builds strength you know um i learned a lot about myself through the process that i probably wouldn't have if i didn't go through it and there's always an opportunity even though we're going through a negative time right now and a difficult time there's always a light at the end of the tunnel uh this will pass you know i have a a a tattoo that says this too shall pass and it will pass um and it's again it's just i think goal setting is a big part of it making goals Um, to help get through the process, but just trying to find the positive in the situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This too shall pass. Find the opportunity in the situation, the positive. Yeah. And that's so important too, in terms of just your own appraisal of what happened, how do you respond, right? It's like, okay, how am I going to use this rather than let this use me?
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: So, yeah, that's awesome. I, I can't, I can't thank you enough, Ashley, for jumping on here, and uh, being a part of this podcast and sharing your story. I know that parts of this probably weren't <laughs> easy to talk about. Yeah. So I uh, really appreciate it, and hope a lot of people learn from what you've gone through and the lessons that you've shared in this. Well, thank interview. you.
0: I appreciate you for having me.
1: Are there any uh, social media links that you want to share with people, or anything else where they could? Yeah, reach out uh, to you? on
0: Instagram, it's at Performance Mindset Training. And on Facebook, it's just Performance Mindset. If anyone wants to reach out, they're more than welcome to reach out. Or if they just need someone to talk to during this difficult time, I'm always willing to help out.
1: Awesome. All right. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you. Appreciate you.
2: Hey, Brian, that was an amazing interview with Ashley Polkovich. The surprise to me was how much she did on her own with so much that was going on.
1: Yeah, she's really risen above the adversity she faced growing up in a small town, being that super sports hero, you know, everybody looking up to her and all the pep rallies and stuff. You can imagine how everything seemed like it was on a high and then went to that low. But um, she's come out, seems like she's coming out
2: on top. Um, I just think that there was so much there that she had to learn on her own and it basically resonated into what she's doing now. What do you think, um, she did to be able to do that independently? I mean, identity becomes a big issue here because she was, her whole identity was built up around being a basketball player. And then that was suddenly taken away
1: yeah and you find this a lot with high level athletes or really dedicated athletes that their whole sport is consumed um within their life i mean that's what they l- live breathe, eat, and sleep and uh becomes a problem when it's um and when it ends abruptly, especially with an injury um but some of the things that she said as her foundation was this growth mindset approach kind of stemming from her childhood. Um, I thought it was pretty amazing that at such a young age, like I think she said nine years old or something, she started reading books about the sport. Uh, You don't hear that too often. And then um, that kind of stemmed into her work ethic enforced by her family. But then as she went along, she would start practicing some mental skills that she really didn't know her mental skills, but it's just things she did, whether it was visualization and imagery or goal setting and i think eventually because she had that foundation of those things as an athlete uh, she used those things to help her cope through the surgeries and the the rehab process and physical therapy but in different ways obviously and it it was probably a different process too
2: yeah i mean the mental health piece was really interesting didn't you think because she didn't have anyone we hear a lot of stories about people going through things and it just wasn't even an awareness piece that was brought to the attention until later
1: i asked her about the coping skills she used and she mentioned things like um going to physical therapy even though the physical therapist didn't really talk about the mental health they she felt like they understood her and she was around others
2: that were going through the same thing don't do it alone right um I think she found that through physical therapy is 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 one way that she was able to kind of manage through that. Other people were kind of going through similar things. And even though she didn't have the professional attention and care on the mental health side, she found it through physical therapy. And I think that kind of showed me where she found her resiliency. And I think gratitude, when you say acceptance, I think gratitude, because we know that gratitude is a starting point for acceptance, which her tattoo says this too shall pass, you know, which I thought was a a defining moment
1: for her. Exactly. This too shall pass. I thought that was really neat that she actually has that on her body now as a visual reminder of just how to make it through tough times. And uh, it, it just shows a lot of
2: optimism. Well, and with that great interview, Brian, thank you so much. Thanks to Ashley.
1: If you have a desire to be great in what you do and a keen interest in the mental aspects of performance, then you're in the right place. Well, you Mental Training seeks to push the edge of the mental game through evidence-based practices and stories from athletes similar to the one you're listening to today. Your collaboration matters as part of this process, so please head over to iTunes and leave us a review with your honest feedback on the podcast. We'd love to hear what you have to say. If you are as excited about the mental training stories you're hearing as we are, please share this podcast with your friends, family, and teammates too, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WellUapp, that's W-E-L-L-U-A-P-P, and learn more about the work our mental coaches are doing through LinkedIn and Facebook.